so I've decided to do this thing. Every five episodes, I will do a top three. A top three whatever. Could be a top three anything. I like to categorize almost everything in life inside my head. So I pretty much have top three set uh, on any topic. And I asked my dear YouTube channel members if they had any ideas. They had many ideas. And I thought, well, I guess this will work. And there were a lot of top three anxiety-inducing moments. And I thought, oh, that's good. Or top three lessons you learn as an adult. And I said, well, that's very thoughtful, too. And then Aaron Keyes, a dear member who I once sang Suddenly Seymour with via Spaces on Coffee and Underwear, and she did an incredible job, suggested top three Muppets. And I immediately had them in my head. I got, like, angry about it. It was like a political issue. You know how people sometimes, I don't know, if you talk about the environment or was it foreign policy, people will get their backs up and, like, immediately become defensive and start arguing their position. Because they've already thought about it, I guess, in their sleep. This is me and my top three Muppets. So that is what we're going to do today. I'm just going to talk about my top three Muppets. I think that's very important. Let me qualify. First of all... They have to be generally recurring. I don't want those one-shot Muppets. Even though I love them, I don't believe they fall into this category. Probably a category of their own. So this is honorable mention of some that didn't quite make the cut as regulars. My first one is Zelda Rose and her singing owl. It was this old woman who had an owl. And she came out and she sang... She sang a song, and the owl, of course, would only say, who? But the who was the crux of the song. So they came out with the owl. She had a baton for some reason. The owl would say, who? And then she would go, stole my heart away. Who makes you dream all day? And that that was the act. And I loved her name. I loved how she looked. And it was delightful. The other ones, the other one-time Muppets that come to my head are Boo Mortmixon. It was just a great name. I believe he was a cross-country billiards player. They did a, like a Wild World of Sports episode, and that was his name. Angus McNonical, the gargling Argyle Gargoyle. I think that's self-explanatory. I don't need to go into it too much. And lastly, in my honorable mention of one-time Muppets, Vinny Banana Nose Moldano. And he was a mobster and he was called Banana Nose in good, good fella's fashion because he had an actual banana for his nose. So, all right, let's now talk about my top three Muppets in no particular order, maybe, because I don't want I don't want to get into that. I, then I'll be here all day. My first one for me is Sam the American Eagle. First of all, he just, he looks beautiful and gorgeous and at one time silly and bizarre and then other times you put him in front of the American flag and you're like you know what this works because it also illuminates how ridiculous an actual bald eagle looks and you're like why did they pick that as the bird that's quite bizarre no Sam is incredibly conservative and patriotic and the self-appointed censor of the Muppet Show. And he's the advocate of cultural and educational entertainment, which is, I think, 
a very important part of the show because without him, you just have people really, really acting crazy, having fun, and that's great. But like when that's everyone, I don't think it's that exciting. Which reminds me of like why John Cleese was so good on the show because his his the role he played was that he did not want to do a big final number. And of course, there's the conflict, and they get him into the final number. Sam is like complete conflict to anything the Muppet Show stands for. And that's fantastic. I, But he's also kind of an idiot. And as much as he is a parody of America and standards and practices and things like that, they don't completely trounce on him every time. They have an odd way of respecting Sam. I mean, they do. They often reveal himself to be very stupid. And he was inspirational to me in that sense because he has no idea about any real culture at all. He didn't know who Beethoven was. He didn't know who Nureyev was. And I think that's the point, but I think it's done in a real nice way because you believe he is a genius and he is a smart man and he's gonna set this show on the right course. And he never does. He also appeared in, I think, every Muppet movie, which is great considering he's not necessarily a Kermit or a Miss Piggy. There's a wonderful, he would also be on various panel shows. I think on Muppets Tonight, he had his own like political talk show, but it was Miss Piggy's, do you remember she had really stupid like brothers or cousins? They were just really dumb pigs. And they were like, hey, how's it going? And he would just, yeah, let's talk politics. And of course, no one wanted to. Another thing he did, which I had on tape, was how disgusting it is to him. It was just a rant on stage that animals under their fur are completely naked, which was very cute. And then, of course, through his own thought process, he uncovered that under his feathers, he's totally naked and became incredibly embarrassed. And I think that is a fine fine allegory. The next top Muppet, so that's one. Number two, I guess, is very connected to Sam. It's perhaps a, perhaps a barnacle on Sam and really doesn't exist without Sam. And the, it's two Muppets together, but I'm considering them an act because that's how they're always presented most of the time. Is Wayne and Wanda. They're this singing duo. It's a guy and a girl. They're human Muppets, for lack of a better term. And Sam would always advocate for them, and he would always introduce them and say that they're they're here to bring good taste to the show, here, here, moral decency, that kind of thing. And they would always go to do these numbers. And first of all, it's very much a parody of old old show business. Uh, apparently, they were a parody of Nelson Eddy and Jeanette McDonald's the old singing duo, but also of that Lawrence Welk era of show business. And really, at some point, I should just do my own Lawrence Welk episode. I believe that's going to be warranted at some juncture. But the sets were so like grand and also stupid in the Lawrence Welk sense so they would do like they were singing row 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 your boat and it's this big there's a beautiful mural backdrop and these 
white columns and then Wayne is on this boat with the fake waves in front of it and he's got that straw hat on it and then of course they begin drowning so every time they went to go sing something something surreal or horrible would happen I think that I should never see a poem lovely as a tree. And then this giant tree fell over and would always end their song. So I always felt very bad for them. <laughs> I love them like because they had my sympathy and because they always tried really hard and they just wanted to sing these songs. And enough stupid people have sung stupid songs on The Muppet Show. Remember Robin the small frog saying that halfway up the stairs and it was like 20 minutes long and it was so emotional and boring like let Wayne and Wanda do their shit. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. But they were really really never able to and I was researching in earlier seasons they had started and then one of the performers of I think Wanda had left the show. So they kind of wrote Wanda off and then Wayne did some solo acts and then they scrapped the whole thing all together for a number of years and seasons and then they brought them back in like a weird this is your life kind of segment with Kermit and they're like don't you remember us oh yeah that's the other thing Wayne has this great Lawrence Welke singing voice that doesn't exist anymore it's like and nobody sounds like that anymore that's another reason why I love them but they brought them back and, uh, yeah, he's like, Kermit, don't you remember? Like, you fired us. And we've been doing okay. We've been trying to make ends meet. I, th- I think Wayne became a general laborer. And Wanda was collecting money from her grandmother's death. Something incredibly, incredibly sad. So, of course, Kermit felt terrible. So he said, all right, you guys are rehired. I, I apologize. And I'm like, great. So they start singing again. And then Kermit says, I remember why I fired you in the first place, you're fired. Which is incredibly cruel for Kermit to do and only really increased my sympathies for the great Wayne and Wanda. I just want them to sing. I want them to really have their full arc, you know? Their big moment. They did, they would do like on a live show once, I saw them sing Send in the Clowns. And the second they sang Send in the Clowns, a bunch of clowns came out and chased them. I feel so bad because they just want to sing. They're such simple two-dimensional people. And yet, (laughs) even in that flat dimension, they can't get it done. And that's why they have my heart. And of course, they're connected to Sam. They're Sam's real only reference point of what good entertainment is. And, And it's a joy. I guess they're a whole act together, but whatever. I'm counting them separately. So one is Sam the Eagle. Two is Wayne and Wanda. And my third favorite Muppet is Marvin Suggs and his Muppaphones. If you are not familiar with Marvin Suggs, he wears like a kind of like a mariachi band outfit with the, the puffy flowy sleeves. He's bald. He has a a very thin mustache in the front of his face and he speaks so weirdly thank you thank you and thank you it's one of those i have still don't know where you're from kind of accents where you just it's like the country keeps changing in your mind and he usually comes out with these 
mapophones. And these mapophones are, they're real. I mean, they're real. They're alive. Does this make any, it's so hard to describe Muppets. They're living. And they're these little balls of fur with mouths and eyes. And he lines them up in tonal order. And he hits them on the head with a mallet, causing them to go, ow, but in the correct tone so he could play a song. And for lack of a better term, he's incredibly abusive to them. And he's got this evil, evil side to find them and to bring them here and to just hit them as a form of entertainment. And it kind of works, but then it's also incredibly astonishing and is so inappropriate for The Muppet Show because he seems in almost every way to be an unhinged evil man who has captured these poor Muppet phones. And it makes me so sad, but he will bring them out. And of course, they'll do very nice songs like Lady of Spain or Witch Doctor. And they also always seem to be grumbling the Muppophones like general laborers and ah, here we go another day another headache and then he will yell at them to shut up and he will whack them and it's like it's so wrong that it makes me laugh I'm not a supporter of his he's evil and strange and should not belong on this show and someone should do something about it but nobody does there is an episode, I believe it's hosted by Leslie Ann Warren, where he comes out and she is horrified at what he is doing. And she's like, you can't make music hitting live creatures. And he turned around and he said, of course they're alive. You can't make music by hitting dead creatures. And you're like, oh my God, this is just this insane show business driven Person, And then there's another one where Kermit interviews Marvin Suggs and the Muppophones. I guess a little character spotlight. And this is where it gets, you know, the darkest of all. Kermit asks the Muppophones, does it hurt? And the nervous Muppophones know that Marvin is right behind them. And they're like, uh, no, 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 no. And then Kermit asks if these Muppophones are the original Muppophones. And Marvin says, no. He has to replace them every two or three months or else they go flat, but not flat off key, flat like a pancake because he hits them so hard, which implies that he discards them quickly and there's probably a, a ring to procure these Muppophones. Like we don't know where they're from, how he gets them. We only see them with Marvin. And then Kermit asks what happens to the Muppophones after he doesn't need them anymore. And Marvin replies, I don't think you want to know. And, you know, I feel like I'm reading a horror movie right now. It breaks my heart. And then I look at him and see how foolish he is. And I just begin laughing. There's no reason he should be on this show, that he should be tolerated at all. He's annoying, he's he's controlling, he's abusive, he's mean, and he's pushy, and he really only cares about himself. And the, the kicker is with all this evil going on, he always introduces himself as the beloved Marvin Sucks. 
I guess with that one word, everything is absolutely erased. And then he did one episode where he conducted fruits and vegetables singing, yes, we have no bananas. There he's happy. There he's not abusive. He learned how to train food correctly. But then he's back to the Muppophones again. Those poor, sweet, heartbreaking Muppophones. So to hell with Marvin Suggs, even though you're number three in my top three Muppets. So there you go. Sam the Eagle, Wayne and Wanda, and the beloved Marvin Suggs. Also, don't argue this shit with me. This isn't uh, a list for everybody. These aren't the three greatest Muppets of all time. These are just my favorites. You have your own. And uh, don't judge me. I'm going to be okay with my choices. I mean, I'll regret them after I put this podcast up, but then after that, I'll be fine. This has been more content with RJ City. <laughs>